tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! What is up, gladiators? Welcome to another episode of AfterBuzz TV Scandal After Show. This is season four, episode 14, The Lawn Chair. And what an episode it was, guys. As always, your Fab Four here, starting with me, Emil Ennis Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Cornelia. Hi, I'm Sophia Stanley. And I am Bam Erickson. And it feels like I just came from a funeral. Like, that episode really punched me in the gut. Um, and... I think the reason why it resonated with a lot of people and why it's trending on Twitter even more so than normal is because not only does it go back to old scandal where they do the rip from the headlines approach, but this is literally ripped from the headlines even within this past week. So it feels a little too close to home, but it was a lot of things in there that need to be said. So let's go ahead and break it down. Well, I was going to say one thing that actually bothered me about this episode is you know how each week how they only give you a split second of what the episode's about, Mm -hmm. and it's more about the hashtag. I felt this should have been an episode where we could have got a little more insight with the previews so that we can literally be waiting to watch this episode versus we watch the episode and, oh, my God, this is what it's about. Like, I had no idea that it was going to be this based off of last week's uh, little little two-second little teaser that they do so i felt like this should have been something that i think they could have really had america watching or uh, maybe they the did world that, maybe they did that on purpose because some people don't want to know that they're watching something like that ahead of time because then they won't watch so maybe it was a sneak attack uh type of strategy where okay let's just say you know it's a regular scandal episode but then bam this is what you're watching, and you're already watching it now, so you don't have any choice but to stay tuned. Maybe it was that. Not sure. Okay. I, I can see both sides, but I kind of like your side more. I, I, okay. I kind of <laughs> do, too, after you said it. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And then it makes sense, too, because people who didn't watch, everybody's going to be talking about it, so then they'll watch, too. Yeah. I think we're... Um, so we're going to start with um, the VP storyline, because now that Andrew is handicapped and disabled... <laughs> He's now out of the picture. So they said they can either uh, convict him for what he did and then he can get impeached or they can take another route. And since he's technically incapable of doing his duty, now they can fill that position with somebody else. Were you guys surprised at all that Fitz is actually sticking to his promise of giving Melly a candidate that wouldn't be able to be elected so that she can be the running mate when she's ready to be president? Well, I don't know if I was surprised, but I, it kind of bothers me. Mm-hmm. And from the standpoint of, from what I understand, Melly is an achiever. She's a very smart woman. She, when she wants something, she goes after it. And I know when people are running for president and, and it, politics come into play, there's a strategy. I get it. But for Melly to blatantly be like, basically, I want a sorry candidate so I can beat him. To me, that is taking away the fight that I saw in her because what's going to happen 
is that lady's going to whoop you. She's going to whoop you because if you're not willing or ready to go toe-to-toe with a real candidate, why are you even doing this? You can't go toe-to-toe with a, with a viable candidate? Then what so what are we doing? You're going to run the country. I want you I want you to run my country. But you're afraid to go toe-to-toe with somebody that might whoop you for real. That's what I, that's the issue that I have with it. I get it. I get strategy, but I'm like, come on, Melly. Uh, no, I, I see what you're saying, Cornelia, and I'm going to take it kind of a, in the same direction, but in, from a different angle. My problem is this. When is Melly going to start acting presidential? So even in the midst of having a conversation with other Congress people, right? I, I don't know what the nature of the meeting was, but the, the reason she was in the meeting and the, you know, the Congress person brought up the whole vaccines, so forth and so on. I'm assuming there were very important people in the room, right? If that Congress person was there. Stop doing the facade of a first lady and actually Get your hands dirty. Like, have a conversation with people, number one. Number two, in the midst of the tragedy that's going on in your doorstep, the fact that you as the first lady haven't done anything, it almost seemed un-Melly-like. Because Melly actually likes the spotlight. So where was she? So not even just the fact that she was trying to get rid of any potential Republican candidate. I just actually need her to start acting presidential. And, And... this show is so realistic, and I think it's organic to her character, but it's not because it's like just look at at two arguable first ladies who would fit the bill that Melly should be um, fashioning herself against, right? Or or that should be the, her archetype, Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. who arguably is about to probably in the next two months announce that she's running for for president of the United States of America and has already actually you know run before and was a viable candidate, mm-hmm. and or Michelle Obama. Right. How even Michelle? though, even though Michelle, Michelle arguably isn't isn't running for president, or I don't think that is her game plan. I don't think anyone looks at Michelle Obama with the with the. I'm gonna nix out certain types of people who are never gonna see them as anything other than whatever. Michelle Obama is an extremely intelligent, sophisticated, savvy woman. And does so in a way where she owns her womanhood. Mm-hmm. She owns her womanhood. She owns it. She's a mother. That's why she brought her her own mother to take care of her kids. But she actually is competent. Like, I don't think we see her as a figurehead. Like, we don't see her like, oh, the only thing she's good at is planning the Easter egg hunt. She actually has a viable platform, with which is basically not just getting fit for children, but underpins... Obama's biggest platform, which is healthcare. Number one. Number two, if in fact she did run, no one would think, oh, that's not viable. <clears throat> that's completely viable for an intelligent attorney to have the track record that she has to potentially run for president and or be a cabinet member. You're like making your face yeah, like a got his face scrunchy. Like, I, so I would love to face. hear you hear what you have to say. I don't agree. And why don't uh, you with agree? What? With what part? Um... No, Michelle, I don't, Hillary Clinton, yes, Michelle Obama, no, but she is, Why? Uh, hold on, but, um, but Michelle Obama and Melly are not, are not the same, it's just that Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton, no. And I'm not going to go into that because I'm not going into my personal uh, views because we're talking about scandal, yeah. but no, that just is what it is, deal with it. Okay. Well, there's yeah. that. But, uh, go ahead. But, um, listen, Melly, get in where you fit in. And let me, and I'm going to say this. Um, 
Her husband finally is doing something to support the poor lady. Get in where you fit in, girl. I'm not mad. I think I'm not upset either, but I'm also on my road dog uh, Cyrus's side. Because remember, Cyrus was like, you said that you wanted this to be the best. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand what you're trying to do, but aren't we past, like, just doing this pity shit? Look who's talking, Mr. Cyrus, Mr. Cheater of all cheaters. I mean, Cyrus... But that that has nothing to do with the fact. I I think this is the crux of the issue. The crux of the issue is all of these people, arguably, including Fitz himself, have sacrificed for what? For him to be a better type of president. For right. him to leave some kind of legacy. If all of a sudden we are negating his legacy and potentially jumping to Melly, that's a bad strategy. That's never going to happen, period. Number one. Even if it is going to happen, to do so <laughs> at the sacrifice of your eight years, that's not a good move. Because at the end of the day... You kind of owe us. Like, yeah. you owe us, the American people, to finish out or to at least attempt to do what it is you promised us. And arguably what you promised us was to be a different type of president, to leave the country in a better position than you left it. And that's why when he initially brought up the first two VP candidates, he was like, no, those are the same old white guys exactly. that anyone would pick. We need to do something different. And I think that's why the governor wasn't of New Mexico. That's why the governor of New Mexico was a viable choice, because she didn't fit any of those parameters, yet she still was in the Republican Party. So that would have at least him, you know, following through on what he said to himself. I need Fitz to actually be like, I have a plan, we're going to work my plan, and everyone else kind of needs to back off because I'm the president. I, st- I just hate that, and I, the quote that Fitz said, I hate that he's still saying stuff like that. I'm tired of my vice president trying to overthrow me. Well, then act like a, oh, I was about to curse. Yeah. Act like a president then. Like if if you were truly a presidential candidate, your vice president would be like, "Oh, I can't." Like, think about it. If there's a if there's a president who's truly badass, to the point where a vice president's there, I'm not gonna take it real life, but you mm-hmm. just know not to mess with Barack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you can just tell you're not gonna mess with him. The fact that Fitz puts on this character is just like we talked about with Melly a couple minutes ago. There's a certain facade there where you can see right through the bullshit. Well, maybe it's the simple fact that if you don't respect your home, then people won't respect you in the street. Maybe that's what it is. Ooh. Good one. Uh, I was going to say that I, someone mentioned that, I think it was you, Sophia, that said, you know, this can't possibly pan out great. Um, do you think that Fitz knows that this is not going to work out, mm-hmm. but he's doing this just to... Just to pamper Completely. his poor little wife. Completely. Completely. And that's kind of why I feel yep. like, just let her, just give her her moments. She of deserves course, it. Though. But how about he be a, a dope husband? If you're in a relationship, let's say you're not the president. Let's say you work at the post office and you're a supervisor and your wife wants to, you know, start training for a supervisor. Why don't you help her train and get yeah. ready to be in the position so when she gets the position, she's legit in the position, not but trying to fluff it up so she can get there that, and get dogged out on her way to the I was about to make a cop cars reference, but I'll let it go. He's just not that kind of man. Yeah. But at the same time, like... Melly knows what kind of man she's doing. Does Melly know... This, too, because Melly is pulling the car. I prostitute it for you. But also, too, I think the problem is I think that somehow what they don't realize, and I think this is why that moment on the couch with the congressperson that they offer the VP position, I think it was so telling because what it showed is that Melly and Fitz are part of the problem. Hold on. Can I stop you for a second? Y'all, look at this. Oh, my God. Why is he doing this every (laughs) single day? Because (laughs) he's been on point for three or four weeks now. But 
whose nails has been like this since um since that episode? Olivia Pope made me do it. Well, wait a minute, that's still the same. Yeah, that's still uh, the same. Oh, sh- okay. No. <laughs> you just you kept giving me so much. I was like, let me just go ahead for real quick. Go ahead. So that that meeting with the congressperson, I think, was so telling because what it showed is they have become part of the problem. Mm-hmm. They have become so entrenched in D.C. that they 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 have no connection to real life. So the fact that Melly actually thinks that she could actually be president after not only going through a sex scandal, you also went through a sex scandal because everyone thought you were cold. Your only opportunity to have potentially, like, had a platform, and this is going to sound mean, is when Jerry died. Mm-hmm. When Jerry died, why didn't she pick up a platform of parents who lost a child or depression or something? She should have gotten something that people could have stood behind, right. rode that, that be her new platform, and then in 2016 when she runs, it's that we've already seen <laughs> her as something viable and something that we can connect to our emotions. Because we can't connect her to We can't Jerry connect now. at all. So what? all of a sudden she's going to run in 2016? That don't even make no sense. And get it doesn't make by it, that lady. It doesn't make any sense, but then also... She has no one in her corner. Why am I defending Melly all did? Uh, never, go. Well, you talk enough about the VP. Let us know what you think online, on iTunes, on YouTube, on Twitter. Um, specifically on iTunes and YouTube. If you're watching or listening right now, make sure you click the thumbs up and leave a comment. Um, subscribe. All that good stuff. Share with a friend or friends, family members. And then also on Twitter, make sure you tweet us, especially about this episode, because we're about to go in on this next part, which is the meat of the episode, the death of Brandon Walker. Um, when we opened up, first, before we even get into um, what happened with this episode, I guess before we get into but also towards the end of the episode, it was like after the intro and then once we got into the juice of the episode and the real heart of it, until Olivia had that moment where she sat with David and she was trying to get David to sympathize, I completely forgot, wait, all these episodes ago, like, Olivia was kidnapped, she went through all those different things, but that's what I love about this show is that it completely got us out of that mindset, because we were asking for something different, we were asking for something a little more realistic, we are asking for all these things, and they delivered tonight, I feel. Like, they delivered on so many levels, and so she's talking to Jake, she doesn't want to talk to Jake, she fakes being sleepy and tired, and then, <laughs> which was oh, hilarious. Oh, we all done that? Yes, yes. <laughs> But that was hilarious. But then she's done with Jake and she's like, hey, I'm, I'm going whatever. And then she goes outside and she goes and talks to the DCPD. And then we see the situation at hand. Now, we had a little bit of a tiff in the room because before we saw the whole episode, and I don't know if your opinion has changed, but I believe Sophia and I were on the same page. Or were we? I Maybe. Think everyone except for me. Okay. Well, I was just saying that because of the scene and what happened and because it was literally a couple blocks away from the White House within a a reasonable distance and in the same city, D.C., it's different than Ferguson or any of these other shootings that happened in real life because not only are these other shootings happening, police shootings all around the city, but the fact that it's happening in the president's backyard, that takes it to another level. Right. But you were saying that you didn't think that that deserved for David you, to step down. Yeah, and you were basically meaning in terms of the fact that the attorney general yeah. would in fact have actually showed up if Olivia called. So you don't, do you think that if this really happened in real life that our <laughs> attorney general would come down and do something about the situation? If she promised the attorney general there too. Well, I, well, Olivia spoke first before even going to David, number one. And number two, if this is a TV show, so sometimes it, it, you can't put your personal feelings aside because just like in the real world, you know, every uh, the workplaces become personal. Anytime, if I was David, anytime Olivia call 
me demanding that I do something with her background, oh, this bitch is literally what I would think without realizing that sometimes <laughs> when she's calling, even that sometimes when she's calling, she may be actually calling with the purpose and I need to jump on it. But for the fact of what she's done and how she's ruined this, uh, this man's life, I would sometimes be like, huh, you can't help to you can't help to think how David feels because of what Olivia has done to him. Okay. But finally, he was able to, you know, do the right thing. But the initial call, I can't blame David. I can't blame David. And he was in a meeting with the president of the United States. So, Liv, the world does not revolve around you. I'm in the I'm in a meeting with the president of the United States. And now you want me to do something because Olivia Pope, when Olivia Pope speaks, I got to move. The world just doesn't work like that. Sorry. I'm taking the stance of like that, but not as straightforward as that. <laughs> Realistically, I just don't think. Well, when she called David and wanted David to come down there, the shooting just happened. The, the, the boy's father was sitting out there. They didn't even put the riot gear on. Realistically, I don't see the attorney general coming to a situation when it hasn't even escalated to a point where suits feel like they should make an appearance and defuse it. Eric Holder, it, it took Eric Holder how long to get to Ferguson? You know what I mean? I, I think in my the way I understand things and the way I see them, people only show up when it's the last option. Because you don't want people to think you're that accessible that when everything happens, you're going to be right there. Oh, this happened? I'm coming right here. This happened? I'm coming right there. Yes, we would like it to happen that way, but it doesn't seem like it does. So when she called David and said, David, can you come down here? I wasn't surprised that he said no, kick rocks. I wasn't surprised at all. Because, like Bam said, oh, him and Olivia's relationship, he didn't know what Olivia wanted. Because every time something happens... Her one of her her go to stops is sometimes David, but in David's mind, if it were that serious to where the attorney general should have showed up, he probably would have known about it by then. Somebody would have said the attorney general needs to be here. Something happened. You have to be here. So in his defense, he would have known if he needed to be there if it was that serious to where he thought it was serious enough. I'm going to play devil's advocate, and I don't necessarily know if I believe this, but I'm can make this argument. I also think that from a strategic perspective, the attorney general, i.e. David, showing up in that situation could have made the situation worse. And the reason being is we live in 2015, and like we saw in the crowd, everyone has cell phones. Mm -hmm. If you have any type of a police altercation and you all of a sudden have the arguably the most powerful lawyer in the country, it seems one of two things. It seems like they're taking sides. And so whichever way they're taking sides, so either they are there to support the police and then the crowd is going to get more restless or they are there to protect the people and the police are going to get restless. It seems as if it cannot be handled any other way. So kind of piggybacking partly on what, what sorry, not Olivia, Cornelia was saying Ooh. is um, at that moment when she called, it hadn't escalated to the point where you need to bring someone in and by bringing someone in it actually gives the appearance that things have in fact escalated to such a degree that you need to bring in the u.s attorney general not just the local attorney general and i know it gets a little bit tricky when you're talking about the district of columbia but arguably it's not as if he's the attorney for dc he's the attorney for the country yeah so i think that yeah she she overpromised, and yeah she overpromised for all the reasons that 
we've said. Did you guys feel like the father pulling the shotgun out and firing was realistic <clears throat> for the emotional impact that of his son being shot? Or okay, r- real talk. I think if he pulled the shotgun out and fired it and they didn't shoot and kill him, I think that was unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Because if he fired I am from what I believe, if he would have shot that fire that that shotgun and that many police officers were there and it were just a shooting, doesn't that give police right to shoot back if they hear a shotgun, you know, cuz there were too many people, there were too many police officers to be responsible for every single one of them and what every single one of them did and how every single one of them interpreted. So, him not getting shot after he shot the shotgun. And the only reason I'm going to disagree with you, and I just need to have a moment because I just need to say that I'm, I'm going to take an L on this episode. So, if anyone wants to say that I was lackluster, I was anything, it's because I think, like Emil said, this episode, I think, hits way 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 too close so i'm good so i think the difference is we've had other situations where you have bank robbers you even i think it was like six months ago here you had a former police officer go on a rampage and no one shot him Like, there are other situations where unless the person is directly firing, firing in the air is not a direct threat. So on that standpoint, I agree with you. Given the nature of the storyline and given who he was and what just happened, they definitely would have shot him. So I think that they had to have the story play out because I think that we needed to validate we needed to validate that a dad lost his son and we needed to validate the pain he was feeling and that he had a right to feel that angry and he had a right as a dad and he has a right as an American citizen to feel that he has a right to bear arms to protect the constitution which is the law of the land and so I think that it had to play out that way because you felt for him and and you forgot that there were possibly people who could be injured. That wasn't your focus. All your focus was that this man who raised his son to be a good kid lost his son and nobody cared. Perfect. That was perfect. I will agree. That was perfectly said. Um, as you can see, this is just a truly emotional episode, um, especially since we can't obviously deny the fact it's all people of color up here. So it really resonated with us, especially since I don't know, while watching the episode, and I'm just going to jump ahead, I think the scene that really got me, one, it was when Olivia was in David Rosen's office and she was saying how I literally feared for my life for a whole week straight. I was living in fear. I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I just knew I was dead. And then she said to David, like, imagine living with that every single day of your life. And we all come from different backgrounds. And for me, I didn't necessarily grow up in an area where I felt insecure or felt like I couldn't walk down the street. But then, like, watching this, it's it's weird, like, when you don't grow up in that, you kind of have, I don't know, you kind of have a weird feeling about it. Like, because I want to identify, but I can't always identify with that. And so... In that moment, I think I kind of felt like Olivia Pope because he was like, 
Olivia, there are a couple of funny moments like you're you're not getting your black card today, like those type of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it opened up a true conversation. I think we all have been waiting to have because Olivia's walking around with the Prada bag. Olivia's walking <laughs> around working for the the Metro DC PD or whatever. But she's saying, "I'm on your side." Well, whose side are you really on? But then it's those things like he said, like you've never. When was the last time, or have you ever been in this neighborhood? Have you ever gone to this restaurant? I was gonna say because those are two so uh, two different scenes, and like can't, let's stick to Olivia David, and then let's go to to um, the scene with Cornelia, well, Cornelia Smith is the actor's name. But uh, if we can, because I feel that those are both important, and so I don't want to for sure. Yeah. With specifically Marcus Walker's character, or Marcus Walker the character. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a little insensitive for Olivia to ask if he was trying to like get a platform because it made it seem like she was saying, "Are you trying to be the next Al Sharpton?" Um, well, but when he said, "When he said, no, this this guy drove me like he, I know, I don't know." It was just really insensitive. He was... You remember, um, <clears throat> Olivia was she was literally getting back into Olivia Pope asking questions and f- trying to figure things out. So I didn't take it I didn't take it as her being insensitive. I just took it as she this was kind of like her way of trying to get back into Livia Pope and she's trying to forget about what she's had what she's gone through these past couple of weeks and she was just trying to do her job. And when she realized that she was out of line, he checked her. Well, I took it more as Olivia is trained to do what she does. She grew up a certain way. She's educated. Like he said, Olivia, she's not in the hood. She's not in the hood. So she went about it the only way that she knew how. Mm -hmm. But it says something about her character that she was able to adjust based on the situation because a lot of people can't adjust. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't notice that they're not adjusting. They're like, oh, I'll do whatever I can to help. But you're never down here. You don't know how to talk to, you know, different types of people. You don't know what they're feeling. So the fact that she came in the way she did, he checked her about the product bag, he he pulled her black car, you know, on her. And then she, after things kept happening, she was like, you know what? Mm, I need to adjust because this isn't working. And I and I understand where they're coming from. She was able to stop, look at the situation, sympathize, empathize, and then put herself in their shoes. And then she she ended up crossing over to their side to be, you know, she was behind the protest lines. She understood at that moment. So I will I give Olivia that because a lot of people can't do that. They refuse to do it. They don't know how to do it, and they don't want to do it because it makes them uncomfortable. Do you think that it was easier for her to uh, to cross over and to? for the reality to snap because she's black or because she is able to just empathize and and uh and adapt quickly. I think we saw a nice well, go ahead. I think it because she's a human being. <clears throat> if you have a heart and and you saw a man sitting there with a long chair on top of his son not because he's just, you know, just because he said he wants to sit on top of his son. He wants to protect his son from the elements. When you, you're looking at all of this, you're hearing him talk. Anybody with a heart and with a mind and can put the heart and the mind together and, and, and realize that you need to do something different would have done what she she did. Yeah, she, she's a black woman and that probably played a part in it. But if you are a human being and something like this happens, 
either you either you gonna stand up and do something or you gonna sit back and do nothing and she stood up and did something so and i and i I totally agree and i think that's why when you watch the scene and she goes on the other side and she joins the protesters she's she's nervous like she even though she's chanting she's nervous because you can you can you can see her brain thinking about the rationale of what could possibly happen because i think she did it for two reasons one she did it because she's hoping that as olivia pope the police chief won't wouldn't do it, wouldn't yeah. do it because yeah. that could possibly blow up in a completely different way. There's another part of her who realized at that moment, and I think that this happened in this moment and a, and a beat before when she was talking to Marcus, she realized in this situation, the Olivia Pope wasn't effective. Yeah. And I think that instead of trying to control the narrative, instead of trying to control the situation, instead of trying to fix it, I think she actually literally put on her white hat which is she felt like a human being and she decided to actually act upon the fact that she is a fixer and if that means she couldn't fix the situation she needed to stand on the side of right and if it meant that they were going to tear gas and they were going to go through then that's what she had to do and i think that when you look at her demeanor and her posture it wasn't her normal defiant olivia pope it was she was scared but she was willing to take that risk no matter which way it went. And I think we saw a nice progression of her character in this episode of going from being that confident <clears throat> Olivia Pope to realizing, oh, wait. And I think, like Sophia said, it happened a beat before with Marcus, but also with the father because he said, uh, he said, get him, I used to say to myself, get him to 18. And for some reason, that line, as a black man, that line, did your father say that to you ever? Because uh, growing up in the South, my father, my father's like 70 something years old, so he has way more experiences with segregation and all those different things. But he used to say things like that, but to me, because of the way I was raised and the neighborhood I grew up in, I didn't, I never quite understood that. I, I didn't live in fear. Um, but when he said, get him to 18, he said, uh, make him a success. Um, uh, make him believe that all his hopes and dreams can come true. And the, the, when he said, I put a University of Maryland sticker on my truck so the cops wouldn't think that he's a thug without a future. Like that that whole scene, I don't know, this episode, that, that scene just hit a little too close to home. The fact that regardless of your education, regardless of whatever accolades you have, regardless of anything you've accomplished, who you're married to, in these situations, it does not matter. You are still just a black male to some of these officers who has no value. You're not a human to them. Like, you just have no value. And I think that's so hard for me to believe. And while watching this, and this is what I was um, getting to earlier, but while watching this, it's hard, I think, for, and this is why I think Olivia finally saw it. It's hard sometimes for you to see it in you, but you have to think of somebody else. So Olivia finally saw it in that young man on the on the ground dead. For me, I thought of my nephew. Like, you have to see it in somebody else. And I'm like, for me, I can't see it, but I can see them doing that to my nephew. And that's when it really hits home. And that's why I think this episode was so potent and so relevant and so so incredible. And it needed to be seen by so many different people so we can stop just pretending like this isn't an issue that doesn't need to be discussed. Right. Um, in, in addition to uh, the scene where uh, he was speaking about wanting to get the uh, son's 18, to answer your question, I don't no, I've never had that conversation with my dad, but um, I've had it. I've had it with my kids. And um, what was the most 
Um, just a, the terrible thing to watch is the child is laying down on the ground dead mm-hmm. in his blood while the conversation is happening. And for him with the gun, he's sitting there, you know, to protect. And Olivia is having a conversation with him while periodically looking down at this dead little boy. So, um, you know, that immediately had to, you know, like you said, it had to hit home for Olivia because, you know, she may not have a son, but, you know, she probably thought about her dad or, or uncles or, or, or someone. And the fact that, you know, like he's laying down on the, you know, dead was, um, you know, it sucks. And I think the reason why it even hit, hit even harder after that scene was, and I don't know if it was before or after somebody let me know, it was when he was saying, I know that I'm either going to end up in jail mm-hmm. or I'm going to end up dead. There's no other outcome. Was yeah. that before or after that scene? It remember? was it was in the same conversation, but okay. it was just it was just a little later. But it was hard to watch that scene because as he was talking to her, there were still guns being pointed <clears> at him like the <throat> whole time while he's just trying to have this moment with Olivia. Um, well, for me, that the 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 shooting the gun in the air for me I felt was a little unrealistic and I thought that was pushing the edge for the sake of TV I don't think that uh, I don't think he I don't think he would have shot the gun and I, if he did I thought he would have been straight dead on the ground if that was to happen but I think for the sake of of TV and being able to push envelopes I thought that I thought that was why that happened but for I just blanked out. I think one of the things that, and it's not necessarily connected to what we were just saying, but it kind of is. I think that also what happened for Olivia is it was the first time that I think that you had someone else control the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Because arguably that's what Marcus was. Marcus was also a fixer, right? And I think that them having the conversation of the fact that they were all trying to reach the same goal, right? Because he was basically trying to, Mm -hmm. to, to, poke her a little bit to mm-hmm. see who she is and to see what she's really about and definitely made the comment about, you know, you got a, a white Republican president elected. Like, who are you really supporting? I thought it was very important for her to say that we're all trying to get to the same end goal or just going about it in different ways. However, I think when she says that I'm choosing like a less resistant path, I think that in that moment when he, again, didn't back down, number one, and number two, was basically saying, no, this this situation shouldn't be diffused. And when she was saying, you basically don't have, you don't have, you don't have like money in the game, arguably, he was like, I do. Because not only is this my neighborhood, but I think that the reason they had to give his credentials was arguably someone who graduates top of their class from Georgetown, regardless of where they came from, could arguably go the path of selfishness. And I don't mean selfishness in a bad way, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I, I was going to point at myself, but it's not important. Because, <laughs> like, what I do for a living. But selfishness isn't necessarily bad to basically be, say that I'm going to support myself and or my fa- family, and I'm going to make <clears throat> the most amount of money or to make the best decisions for my family. It is a completely different situation when you have that option and you consciously choose to do for the people. Right. Like Barack Obama. Right. So I think that at that moment she realized, wait, is my path better? 
and not without with and not with judgment, but she thought about it, and then she realized that by po- possibly fixing the situation, we would have never known what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. It would have literally been the narrative of the police officer that you have a young punk who pulled a knife for no reason on a police officer mm-hmm. instead of a young child who had a future ahead of him who simply bought a cell phone was geeked like we all are when we have new cell phones holding the box like yeah I'm about to go home and download apps <clears throat> and when you stopped him and you asked him and interrogated him because you felt that there is no way that this young man could have something if it wasn't for the fact that it was stolen mm. All he did was pull out a receipt to show you that he bought it. If Marcus and the dad, if the dad hadn't done what he did, and if Marcus hadn't kept the situation going, i.e. keeping the neighborhood there and keeping the media on it, we would have never got to a just conclusion. Yeah. And so I think that what's going to happen is, and we've seen it, is I think that we arguably are going to have an Olivia who's going to start to question a lot of things. She's really going to start to question of whether or not she actually wears the white hat. Because again, going back a little bit to the beginning of the episode, here she has done all these things for a president who, what has he done? Nothing. Granted, the scene at the end in the Oval was powerful, but still, what did he do? He didn't make an announcement. He didn't send his attorney general. It was really, David went as David, as the attorney general, not at the behest of the president. I think she's really going to start to question her actions and the role that she plays in controlling the narrative to potentially what's it got push things under the rug because yeah. that's really what she does yeah. she doesn't actually fix things and i don't mean to be disrespectful she just changes the narrative yeah. which is different than actually fixing situations and i think that that's what this this case this is what this situation and that's what i think marcus symbolized because arguably other than what's the the first episode um another wife another woman another woman with elise neal mm-hmm. it's the only other time that we've had someone come toter toter with yeah. her and she actually had to back down, right? Mm-hmm. So, I just want to hear your thoughts on the scene with the officer. We saw that OPA did their research. She got David to get the subpoena so they could get the footage. They saw the footage and they saw that something was up. And then she finally confronts the officer, Jeff, Jeffrey, if we want to give his full name, um, and basically goes head to head with him and tells him what really happened. And he does this long thing about respect. He says that. Brandon Parker is dead because he didn't have respect questioning, questioning me. Um, uh, what did she say? She said, they're like you. Um, and she said, what do you mean us people? They're, they just take what they want. They are taught to question, to disobey me. There were 84 murders, but how many of them were black on black crime? Um, but somehow I'm the animal. They teach him that the, they teach him, y'all, I can't read my notes. I'm not even trying. Basically, he basically said, he's like, they even teach the babies to disobey me, to yes. hate me. And so now, <clears throat> this is where, uh, this hit home for me because, um, uh, as a person of color, we are for myself. Um, I tend to be fearful of officers because when you're pulled over, um, sometimes 
we're pulled over, we're told to, you know, put our hands or get down or, or just things that doesn't typically happen to, to other, uh, to other ethnicities. And so we don't even have the opportunity to get our driver's license out, show our registration, um, ask, is there a problem? In instances where that is what happens, like, oh, is there anything wrong? Blah, blah, blah. You know, but for, for myself and I, and I, my, myself and my sons, we, we, you know, we've dealt through this driving literally in the car where we can't even say hello before we're being pulled out of the car to sit on the curb, run the driver's license, be asked 25 questions, and then they ask us again to try to trick us. Well, where did you say that you were going and where and you have to go through this whole rigmarole when the reality is we do actually have that right to say, is there something wrong, officer? Um, why am I being pulled over? Um, you know, and then the, the fact that this cop is trying to have the audacity to say that I'm being disrespected because my authority is being questioned. Yes, bitch. He has every right to ask why. Am I being pulled over? Why, why am I being bothered? But as a, but as a person of color, we tend to fear because we don't get the opportunity to ask questions or even show a driver's license. It's literally, you fit the description of something, blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, we're sitting on the curb and they're trying to run our plates. And then if your plates and everything pans out, they'll still have you sitting down on the curb for like almost an hour till they can try and figure out what to do with you. So it, it 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 fucking sucks. That scene, we're put in certain situations. Certain people are put in certain situations, and some people aren't put in certain situations because they can't handle it. The first thing I said when he went on his little rant was, "Punch this dude in the face, punch this clown in the face," because back in the day, if you got a problem with me. We can talk about it and we can work it out, but let's square up. You you really got a problem. Let's go toe-to-toe. And I'm not saying as a woman, Olivia was going to say this to him, but man-to-man, if you're holding this much anger against somebody, I don't care if, if it's black against white, white against black. Let's, let's square off and let's solve it. Let's solve it like we used to solve it. But the fact that he was just, he didn't care who was around or he didn't, he wasn't trying to sugarcoat it that's a level of entitlement that I can't understand. And I, I'm i the type of person, I don't need to be put in that situation because I can't handle it. I'm not saying I'm a goon and I'm just going to just let the chopper spray on everybody in there. But I can't deal with that. That was too much for me. That made me angry. And I think what made me a little more angry is that everybody just sat there quietly and nobody's nobody said anything. So or, nobody, or, or, nobody got nothing to say. Or nobody turned their back. Yeah, you you ain't got nothing to say. Nobody, nobody turned their back. Nobody so, did. A, <clears throat> or the, like, nobody said nothing. I took it as they were letting him dig his grave hmm. because he was basically showing his ass that he's a racist prick. But not just not just that, and I think this is where this is where I think this. Oh Lord, it's hot in here. And it is. I think that this is what it is, right? <laughs> and this is going to sound silly, but I hope I can articulate this properly. One of the hardest things about racism in this country, especially about racism in 2015, is that for a lot of people, they cannot accept the fact that they possibly could be racist. 
And the reason being is that the archetype of racism that we have as our vision is like the KKK or Nazis, right? So that we understand. We understand that men who are, you know, in cloaks, who hang people simply because of the color of their skin, we are, are very clear that those are racist. We are clear that the Nazis were racist when they, when they conducted genocide against Jewish people. We can, we can understand that. What we can't understand is how the actual act, the intellectual act of prejudging or presupposing the intentions or the thought processes of another person simply because of the color of their skin can have ramifications that are so dire that they could equate to death. So therefore, this is all he did. And it seems like it's a simple thing, but it's so profound. All he did was thought they did not have a right to question my authority. So because Mm -hmm. they did not have a, a right to question my authority, I think that they are not equal. They are not a whole human being who has the protections of the laws of America that as Americans, unlike arguably any other democratic society, we were founded on the basis that we should always ask why you are doing something because that is why we are different and that is why we are democratic. By the fact that that small shift that someone does not have a right to ask you why you're stopping me why you're harassing me, why you're doing any of those things, then leads you to view the person as less of a human being. And when they are less of a human being, it is easier for you to harm them. When it is easier for you to harm someone, then it is easier for you to kill them. The fact that in that moment he said, the blood is not on me. He didn't say, I feared for my life. He said he died because he disrespected me and he disrespected my authority. That literally, and I think they have done a brilliant job, that literally is the harm of racism. Because when we no longer view each other as human beings, that every human being has the right of liberty and happiness and to walk down the street, and if an officer says, what are you doing? Do you know why I have a right to stop them? Because they have to have probable cause. It's constructed in the law of the Constitution that you as a human being have a right to check government. That's the whole premise of protest and, and, and asking questions is literally a check so that we are not a dictatorship. What he did and that rant was of a dictator, of saying that I am omnipresent and everything I say goes. And if you do not adhere to my rules, I have a right to kill you. I know it may seem for a lot of people that I'm stretching this, but I need anyone listening to this. That is what happens when we do not admit that we all are susceptible to racism because we all, at least as Americans, live in the same country and we are fed the same bullshit. And it will only stop when we all realize that we prejudge. And the minute you at least have the intentionality that you can prejudge, you can stop prejudging. But if we all sit from a posture that, no, I'm not racist, I don't judge people, then you can't allow yourself to realize, maybe I do. And what does that mean? What does that mean on how I make decisions? What does that mean in how I view other people, I act upon other people? 
or just like Cornelia said, that I no longer can connect to the humanity of a parent who lost a child. Mm. Talk that talk. I cannot cry again. So we are going to go ahead and wrap this up with. I just want to just two things. Um, the guy who played Marcus is uh, an actor friend of mine who um, he used to be on All My Children. Uh, his name is Cornelius uh, uh, Cornelius Smith Jr. And um, he's been getting a lot of love on Twitter. And his Twitter handle is at, at Cornelius SJR. So, um, That's you who know, played Marcus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you think he did a great job, be sure to uh, tweet him and, and give him props to that. And then what was also profound is Scandal does a great job with bringing the music to the message of what they're trying to convey and so they played nina simone's uh mm-hmm. i shall be released off the uh off the uh, legends album from 1958 and that song i mean it just it just if you didn't feel anything you know yeah. like sometimes in church when they say if you don't you know sometimes just do a song you could feel something like the way that you're seeing the acting and then the fact that they hit you with the music it's like you have to feel it because it was so uh it was so profound yeah let's sort of last thing let's just talk about the final scene or the final moments i mm-hmm. guess so olivia goes to him and basically says the officer is in custody um because he tampered with evidence um and then they're in the car olivia's in next and he's like wait this isn't my neighborhood where are we going and then they take him to the white house and then he walks into the White House and he has the moment with the president of the United States. But I think it was the breakdown of the fact that no matter what you do for me now, like my son's still gone. Mm-hmm. Just that final scene, just I was dead. Yeah. And then the fact that people, people get, you know, you're really excited to meet the president of the United States. I don't care if it's a president that you like or don't like. It's something that most people don't get to do, and when you get the opportunity to do it, you hold that as a, a top moment in your life. The fact that he was only there to meet the president because his son got shot, that's what that, that's what did me in. Because he wasn't there because, you know, he was a great dad, and his his wife died of, of breast cancer. He didn't make and, no speech, and, nothing. Right, he was a stand-up dude in the neighborhood, and he was, you know, he was there for people in his community. No, no, no. He was there because his son got shot, so that... When he had the breakdown, I think that was a, a good moment to for us to really think about everything that has happened. But I also think, and this is just the theme of this show, it's also because he sacrificed for the Republic. And I think that, and I could be wrong, but I think what, where the writers are trying to go is that there will come a moment in time when this happens for the last time which where we mobilize. So literally, think about it. The president lost a son for the republic, and he lost a son for the republic. It's highlighting that there's a flaw in the republic. And by David, you know, literally taking control of the case, arguably what it's showing is that potentially we can move forward. But there's always sacrifices to be made. And that's ironically why he was there, because he actually was a good dad, and he did do what was right. And he had to sacrifice his son for potentially all of us to live in a better country. Now that that's really good because that's where now the me comes back to reality and was like, okay, that was more sensationalized. That was more for the sake of TV. I didn't find it to be realistic at all, but I will now change my opinion 
based off of what you said, Sophia. So yeah, and I mean, and also too, I mean, and again, I think the reality of this show that they've always, and I think it's part of the reason that we love the show, they've always pulled from the headlines from day one in Ferguson. They were protesting every single day for 120 plus days until arguably we as the American public became aware of it. They were not doing it for publicity. They were doing it because they knew that something was wrong. It is not a coincidence. and I don't know about the timing and I have to have a moment where I don't know if it's divine intervention that this week. The Department of Justice comes out with the report of Ferguson of systemic racism and harassment and abuse of police officers, of people, black and brown people in that region of the country. That's just one report. Yeah. So at the end of the day, some of those protesters have actually met with the president of the United States of America. Do we always know about it? No. I would hope, and I don't mean just... Barack Obama, or I don't, it doesn't matter if it was George W. Bush, and I, and it doesn't matter if it was Clinton, it doesn't matter if it was a Republican or a Democrat, but I would like to believe that there are certain instances when certain things happen that touch on our humanity, that the President of the United <coughs> States of America, like Cornelia said, whether or not we voted for them or not, touches on people's humanity because they know that the title and the office of the President can potentially soothe their soul. Yeah. So yeah. I live in, even if it's just my own fantasy world, that I need it to be realistic, if that makes sense. I'm not saying it's not, but I need it to be. Well, let us know what you think online. Um, we'll give you our Twitter handles later. But before we go to predictions, let's talk to Canelia for a cold piece of the week. So cold piece of the week for episode 14, season four of ABC Scandal has to go to anybody and everybody responsible for this episode. Talking about Shonda Rhimes. And I don't want to get emotional. I knew this was going to happen. Shonda Rhimes, the writers, the producers, the the cast, the crew, craft services, it doesn't matter. <laughs> everybody, to have, the, to have the, the boldness to put an episode like this on television, on ABC, on Channel 7, right after something like this happens, you have to be a, a very courageous and a very bold and a very self-aware person. To have the balls to do that and the fear that nothing will happen to you as a repercussion. Um, it, it highlighted a lot of things. And if anybody at home got anything out of this this episode, to me, it's the climate of everything that's going down. It must change. I don't care what color you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care who you know. I don't care. But if you didn't take nothing away from this episode and you didn't turn the TV off and say, you know what? I saw something that I, that I needed to see. If you didn't get anything from that, then I don't know what to tell you. But I can say more, but it's um, it's too much. But cold piece of the week goes to the entire scandal crew. Yeah. All right. Um. So let's go into predictions. <laughs> now you're after Buzz TV predictions. Um, I don't really have one. Um, I I'm happy with the way the the season's going. I feel like they're bringing it. Um, and I can't wait for next week. I don't even remember seeing any previews. I was so yeah zonked I out. Even, yeah. So yeah, I don't have anything. Hopefully, Melly gets put in her place and she cans this whole president thing. Well, 
I can see the transition of going back to the traditional scandal in some kind of way. And so I guess to lighten things up and lighten up the mood, I will go with my good old faithful faithful prediction <laughs> and say somebody's got to die oh before, no. before season four is oh over. So somebody no. has got to die. Kill him. <laughs> um, oh, no. oh Portia Durasi. Oh, that's what you're killing off? Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah, I don't have a prediction. But do we have a little bit of time for me to just do a quick oh, yeah. oh my gosh. moment? I know. we got to bring it back down again. And I didn't know that this was going to be um, an episode like this. But um, we just want to dedicate uh, this episode to a gladiator who passed away last weekend. And her name is Casey. And her Twitter handle was CaseGA11. Um and she was a gladiator from the very beginning. She loved Scandal from season one. She loved her show. And she loved Olitz. She was a Olitzer to the end. And um, we were just made aware last uh, on Sunday that she passed away and she was only 33 years old. So we just want to dedicate um, this show to her. Um, and just also just dedicate it to all of you. I think that one of the amazing things about Scandal is that people who watch this show it really is a movement and I think that we get extremely invested and I think that the community that we have formed around each other the ability to talk to one another about this show that allows us to highlight what is going on in the world and what is going on in our lives I think is extremely important so just reach out to everyone you know we love that you guys watch so just you know love each other you know whoever is in your life tell them that you appreciate them that you love them and we really appreciate you guys for watching and um letting us kind of just share with you today all right so we're gonna go ahead and close out where can we find you guys on social media you can find me on all social media at bam erickson uh sophia stanley all social media at Cornelia, all social media and at email Ennis jr guys thank you so much for joining us again today for after Buzz TV Scandal, we will be back here next week and every week. Um, and we love you. Thank you so much for watching. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.